0: Hello, I'm your host Conward Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, we have a convo with Sam Kiefer, a business development and onboarding expert at Fractal. For those who may not know, Fractal is a decentralized identity solution that is building on Cardano. And in this convo, We talk about what Fractal is bringing to the crypto space, the value of decentralized identity, and how it can shape the future, and so much more. Without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, Sam. It's nice to have you on the show, and thank you for taking the time to join us today and answer a few questions about Fractal.
1: Hey, Conward. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: It's lovely to have you on, and of course, the first question I always ask is, what brought you into the crypto ecosystem, and specifically Cardano?
1: So, do you want to hear the long or the short story, kind of?
0: Let's do, let's do medium. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that works. That works. So, um, I guess the medium-sized story is kind of there was a um, just a coincidence that I wanted to move um, during the pandemic to Portugal, um, get out of Germany, get to know a new culture, and I I had always been doing cross-organizational um, governance research back in university. So I kind of knew that um, Lisbon would be a crypto hub and that there's a lot of crypto folks there. And then we just moved there. And I, I thought, let's let's try to, to land, land a job. And then through a coincidence with a common friend who knew Fractal, I kind of um, got the chance to join their partnerships and de- development uh, business development team. Um, so I'm on that side of the project. And uh, that was just a great fit and um, had, had been doing some governance research back four or five years ago, wrote a pieces thesis about that. Uh, it was also the same time when everyone was like, um, hey, you have to get into Bitcoin, you have to get into Ethereum, Cardano, and even IOTA, I think, funnily enough, uh, I think they never really recovered. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of the time when I got involved back in university and uh, now more hands-on since uh, I moved here and, and started working for Fractal roughly. 14
0: months ago. Oh, wow. So you, you've been in it pretty, pretty early on. Would it be like 2013 ish or 2000? Like-
1: nah, rather the last time that we hit the market top, like the 2017 plate. Uh, uh. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm terrible at uh, market timing. I'm not sure how other people are that, but um, yeah, no, it was, was a small size. I personally invested in was more of curiosity, to be honest um playing around a bit and um then i mean i we okay so maybe maybe to take you into why i think this this is a game changer um for any kind of industry and uh what i've learned over the years is kind of um and that comes from the experience of um during the university we actually did a project um which was more of a social entrepreneurship kind of project where we built a water filtration system in nepal and um there was a challenging task to do if, if you go to a new country and you want to coordinate this, you don't really know the culture fully. Um, but interestingly, we actually managed to get that project flying and it's still working to until today. Um, but there were really two things that um, I learned during this project, these periods. And the first one was whenever you have some sort of um, a successful project, there's always the, I'm, I'm just going to call them 10% guys uh, that knock on your door, come around and say, Hey, um, I'm, I'm supposed to also get a fetch from the success that you're doing. So any kind of free riding or 10% guys, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. they always. Exist. And yeah. that that's the case for nonprofit projects, but as much uh, as well for pro- for profit projects, and probably in every industry. So it's maybe even part of human nature in a certain way. Um, and the second thing was, um that essentially the the means of economic coordination um, that we have at hands is is often super messy and um, sometimes we just lack an enforcement mechanism and uh, i was getting very frustrated back then by <clears throat> kind of seeing that we we were ordering a certain amount of things that we needed to build the project and then um, the people came back with a completely different amount of water jars that we had ordered, and there was no enforcement mechanism to say, hey, this this was not what the initial order had been all about. And uh, there was also no way that they would take the additional things or wrongly delivered uh, items back simply because they said <clears throat> it's not worth it. And that was when I was kind of getting interested in um, how could you solve that with smart contracts? Um, how do enforcement mechanisms uh, on a smart contract basis and software based work, um, while still having this deep trust and embedded trust in a system. And um, that's what kind of got me fascinated and also got me into the research. And um, that's when, when all things started from like these personal experiences to spill over to um, the curiosity and research side of things.
0: And so you were talking about using smart contracts, using all these systems to Create better, or not create better systems, but to make things more streamlined. So, in that, could you tell us a little bit about what Fractal is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Fractal essentially <clears throat> maybe is similar to um, this problem that I was trying to describe in a sense that we try to establish trust, um, and we and we try to help dApps make a decision whether or not they can serve a certain user. For different use cases. So, Fractal is the leading identity verification um, provider in Web3. And I'm saying that because we have always been coming from crypto. Uh, we have been verifying identity since more than five years, actually, and verified more than a million users. Um, and what really makes us different there is um, that we did not just do this job in a very like, human touch kind of thing where we proactively want to help folks to get through this process. But we're also super sensitive about trying to protect uh, user privacy as much as possible. Um, because at the end of the day, what matters to all of us in web a law is anonymity and trustlessness. So we try to um, build products that um, if, you, if you think of an evolutionary path towards self-sovereignty, give the user the data back and in the meantime, able to find trustless ways to um, verify a user's credential.
0: It seems so. As we're going a little bit into the idea of decentralized identities, I know, especially in the crypto ecosystem, the three letters that everyone hates is KYC. We hate yeah. like we, as you said, we love the anonymity to be able to be like, oh, I'm doing this, and I don't have to deal with any third party. Like, well, I don't having a lot of people have more of a I guess the term would be like a libertarian mindset when it comes to crypto, where they go, why does so-and-so need to be involved if I'm doing this type mentality? And I know that's going to be a really fine line to balance because you have to get enough information to make these decisions. But how, for example, do you see decentralized identities being used either via fractal or where do you think decentralized IDs are going to be most used within crypto, I guess? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so before I'm going to get to that point, I, I want to point something out. That I think yeah. it's super crucial to understand because uh, what what we understand um, as a decentralized identity and as let's say a decentralized process to maybe do identification can be KYC, can be something else, um, requires some additional um, things to know. I think so. In if you think of uh, major protocols, um, the holy trilamers scalability decentralization and security at the end of the day. And it's, it's really um, amazing to see Cardano, for instance, taking a novel approach here um, to make that possible also with the recent vessel fog, etc. cetera. Um, and you have a similar um, trilemma in digital identities. And that trilemma is really civil resistance at, at the top probably. Um, and then you have things like decentralization, and um, you also want it to be kind of um, robust, or let's say, um, gosh, um, got to back up here. <laughs> no, it's the privacy part, so um, let's back up. If if you think of the trilemma of identity, what it really is all about is privacy, civil resistance, and decentralization. And um, you've you got to have to find a good balance between those three in order to satisfy the needs or use cases that we have in crypto. And I also think that there's not one single best solution for all different use cases. Let's also be honest. Um, For instance, there's a lot of solutions out there, which uh, make it possible or claim to make it possible that you can preserve your anonymity, um, but maybe they are not civil resistant. You can can take WorldCoin uh, as an instance or example uh, here where essentially the idea was, hey, you you just scan your eye or your iris and then you're going to trust that WorldCoin Foundation or the system essentially deletes all your data, the pictures of your eye essentially, and they're going to issue a decentralized credential, which then helps you to um, go into the space and do, let's say, one person, one vote. The problem with that is it's also not really um, decentralized because the way how they might delete or store data is with one central entity. And um, Fractal has exactly the same dilemma. Um, So are we fully decentralized? No, not yet, because we we are kind of also um, a central entity that takes up the responsibility and the pain in the ass job to do the hard work of verifying identities, Um, but what, what we try to help with is that we can get civil resistance at, and then we can get um, kind of the trustlessness and the aspects of not having to expose your identity or your credentials to every single dab. So we, we don't want users to strip down naked in front of every wall of garden. And we also don't want users to do the same fucking process over and over again because it's just annoying, as, as you were saying. Um so that's currently where we kind of have the balance of we have we have ironed out a process how we could do that um while preserving privacy to a certain level, while um working with zero knowledge kind of proofs when you verify digital identities. Um we haven't figured out yet um how you can decentralize the actual verification to say um a DAO structure or something like that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so that's a lot to unpack. And It makes sense to start out centralized and move towards decentralization the same way that DEXs came about after centralized exchanges. Because it's a lot easier to run everything centralized than move everything to a decentralized method because that allows for specialization. But as you develop that more, you start looking at it and going, as you said, how can we decentralize this? How can we take what we've currently got centralized and make it function on a wider scale, decentralize it? So, no, I totally see what you mean. And also, I completely agree with you. It's whether it's digital identity, whether it's crypto, because I know, especially in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, there's a certain level of tribalism, it seems, between different cryptos. Whereas some will say Ethereum, it's going to be the end all be all. And it's like, it might be really good in this aspect, but it's not going to be really effective in every aspect. In the same way, coming from a pharmaceutical background, one drug that acts on a ton of receptors doesn't mean it's the best drug it can cause a lot of problems so some are going to be more specialized so it's interesting to also hear about how you're trying to balance that out because again trying to go okay let's build something relatively if not unique then we have to go okay how are we going to decentralize it because as you said and i like the metaphor you use so that you don't have to strip down in the walled garden like yeah it's Exactly. It's a lot to put together. Like, it yeah. seems like a really large task, but it seems like you guys have a great team to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can think of the identity space, really, um, as being on the journey towards more decentralization and more self-sovereignty um, in terms of users owning their own data. And and that has been the mission of RecLab since. And the end goal, we want to kind of incentivize and reward users um, for sharing some aspects of access to their personal data or a zero-knowledge um, kind of proof or access to their credential. Um, and it's gonna be the user that's in control of the data and it's gonna be rewarded. That's that's the end goal. And in the meantime, you have a market, you you have web 3 projects um, and you have an evolutionary path towards this end goal. And currently, um, if you think of where we came from, um, it, it actually was really the case that a few years ago, there were Frackle and a couple of other providers and they only did identity verification in a Web2 way. So you were kind of um, collecting say a liveness scan for uniqueness use cases, um, or you were collecting some sort of an identity document or a passport or driver's license. And um, then you added or linked that to a wallet address And essentially you were giving a wallet address to a Web3 project and we're saying, Hey, good luck. Uh, here's your wallet address. That's KYC, um, write it to your smart contract. And, um, if, if they wanted to have that in an automated way, you were just giving them an API call and then they would have to figure out their own credential management system, how they, um, kind of gauge certain Mm. use cases on their platforms. And, uh, that's kind of, where where we came from, where where there's essentially no web free product, and now the space is in a uh, in a in a stage where essentially projects like ours uh, and various other providers have found ways how you can verify a credential on chain, or other um, people think that maybe having something like a KYC NFT passport is a fancy thing to have these days. Um, certainly has some drawbacks in my opinion, but um, essentially we found ways how we can bridge the verification proof um, from a, a purely Web2 way to finding a Web3 way how we can verify this credential so that essentially um, ADAPT has much easier way of interacting with this kind of thing because a smart contract cannot answer to an OAuth or API call. Um, and and that's where we are currently at. So. Um, the the industry is at a stage where on-chain verification of credentials is possible, but we're not yet at a stage where uh, the market has found a practical way to fully and only have users in control of of the data through, say, a self-sovereign identity wallet, and uh, then selectively give access to KYC email data, which is like super sensitive in terms of the um, compliance requirements and data access requirements. Are um, we getting there? And, and it's in the meantime, um, the, the best thing we can all do is kind of to roll products out that are on production level, that are working, and that, that help with day to day issues of getting users onboarded as quickly as possible without them having to um, do the process over and over again. And that's where this world garden anecdote comes in. And I think the space also still has to um, yeah, get get beyond old, um, let's say market penetration strategies of um, trying to build the next monopoly business. So um, we, we see Coinbase or other centralized exchanges, for instance, as trying to roll in their users. And the issue with that is um, that at the end of the day, if you even if you work with a decentralized identity, um, you kind of have a decentralized identity for Coinbase or the uh, centralized exchange. um and and you cannot really do anything with that because that entity has no interest in um, letting you access that identifier on any other kind of decentralized exchange, um, regardless that they are doing most of their software stack in a centralized way anyways but um you you see what what I'm getting at. and uh, and and our vision, and that's what we are already currently supporting is more like. Um let's try to issue credentials um, where a user gets his digital identity once. And then you can take that to 150 plus dApps, and you don't have to do anything else again, other than logging in with your wallet and signing a, in, in case, and that depends on the integration method, signing an authorization in case um, you you want to share your credential with that. DAP. And and that's it. It's a two two-step process, and you essentially enable um to to take your digital identity wherever you want which also means that users don't belong to one project anymore they just uh they're just floating around and uh everyone should try to make it as easy as possible for those users to use as many services as we as they can um because that's kind of where 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 everyone benefits if you if you get beyond ah this is my user i i don't want him to use any other kind of protocol no we we actually benefit if uh if people don't get frustrated, have their heads against the wall and stop using one services and all other follow-up services. Um, and, and that's where we want to like, kind of support the space and our right now.
0: Oh, of course. And that's a lot to unpack there. Um, it looks like uh, you talked a little bit about the Fractal token, which we will get into, but I completely agree with you. Whereas, for example, let's use your example of Coinbase. As you go and let's say you've used Coinbase, and then as you've evolved within the ecosystem, you kind of go, okay, I want to start using decentralized exchanges because I don't want to deal with centralized entities. It would be nice if you only had to do KYC or KYC one time. Cause the most yeah. frustrating thing is if I'm like, because before DEXs, I'd have like a Kucoin account. I'd have a Coinbase account. Each I see, time yeah. had to do yeah. KYC. I'm like yeah. God help me, I have to grab my like driver's ID, go scan that, take a photo of myself, like th- just the amount of steps, I'm like, I have to do this again. Like, I I know that there have been tasks in the past where even if you're just listening to the podcast or watching the video, you go, I've I've done this four times. Why am I doing this again? And mm-hmm. this is one of those things. I'm like, can we not streamline this? And whereas there might be that tribalism where Coinbase goes or like specific to a company goes well, we went through the effort of the KYC. We don't want to allow you access out because we want you to kind of use our platform. One of the benefits is, okay, how about instead of having to manage ID, having to manage X, Y, and Z, for example, let's say Fractal through its decentralized methods, handles KYC, all you have to do is be able to connect to Fractal. Or be able to, yeah, and that saves you so much effort. So instead of going, it's the same as, why would you want to be, the jack of multiple trades when you can be an expert in one you can focus on your exchange and Fractal can focus on decentralized ID and I totally agree with you and it's something I think is we need to evolve into that stage again as even with whether it's companies whether it's greed or if it's just crypto tribalism we need to kind of be able to move on to the next phase and go okay whilst I see the benefit here there's more benefit if we each specialize yeah no, yeah. I
1: totally agree with that. And I mean, that's some parts of that in terms of just connect with Fractal and, and then you're good to go, regardless of the adaptive you're using, we're already enabling today. And some other parts are being built as we speak. For instance, the the Fractal protocol um, essentially is supposed to be something like a layer zero. So an own protocol only for identity needs. And um, what this will enable is that we aggregate digital identities from all dApps and from all use cases that we have um, kind of attestated to, and then you're gonna be able to um, bridge uh, or ask, no, enable cross-chain synchronization mechanisms in order to ask, hey, is this wallet address known in the protocol and does it qualify for certain requirements? And regardless of the chain that you're on, um, regardless of, uh, of the background of where this user initially came from, you essentially be able to ask, can I sort of serve this user, yes or no, and, and that's it. And um, so, so we already have some on-chain registry solutions live on different chains, and we're building the protocol as um, the cross-chain communication synchronization mechanism in order to enable a wholly, completely frictionless layer only for identity. And that's also where then the FCL um, kind of thing comes in um, some point in the future. We are actually gonna announce something over the next um, week's uh, a major update for the FCL um, and its future use cases. Um, I don't wanna force that too much, but um, if you combine all these things of where we are standing right now and uh, what makes logical sense in terms of where the future is going to head at it's, it's going to be somewhat around um, the way that lookup requests to the protocol um, for verifying a credential asking whether you can serve the user or not will um, facilitate be facilitated through fCL uh, probably and then the user probably also get some sort of reward um, for these access requests but um yeah that's that's only to as a pre teaser uh, i'm not involved in the strategic decisions i would say so uh, don't know the details yet, but we're gonna know something.
0: Of course. And and that was gonna be my next question, of course, is so I did do a little bit of research into fractal and saw that you guys have a fractal token. So as you said, the FCL. Um, how will this help with the decentralized identities or your project's goals? Like, is it similar to kind of how Brave functions, which is like, hey, as you use our our web at our web browser, we reward you for seeing at like So as you give your ID or give this information willingly, like to different entities, you get paid for doing so or? Uh,
1: I mean, that that was once the idea. So we back in the days, we also had um, a different angle for the fractal protocol. We once also built a fractal wallet where essentially you were able to aggregate certain browser data and then get rewarded for access to that uh, browser data aggregation in some sort of FCL Um, We're also launching a bridge that's going to go live soon so you can get out your FCL um, from these old, um, I would say more advertising related use cases. Um, But that's not exactly the the strategic focus of the protocol now um, because we we want other projects to build, say, an advertising use case um, based on identity credentials on top of us so um, the fcl and the protocol is more as something like a foundational ground layer where um, it's way more seamless and easy to connect to than uh, the current products and solutions that are in place um, where i mean we we do have cross-chain compatible um, solutions in place but they are not fully de- decentralized yet um, and one reason for that is that the way how and, and now we're getting the technical but um, the reason for that is that the way how we administrate and update identity credentials is currently not fully transparent um, and, and part of the protocol and uh, the reason why we're doing this is that we want to be more transparent about um, how have we initially accepted or issued a certain credential how has that uh, the status of this credential changed over time etc
0: um,
1: so yeah that's um, kind of how you how can think of it but In terms of use cases which which you also mentioned yeah um, it's like we we really want to change i think the narrative about how you think about identity in web3 and that's because normally the first thing as you mentioned is oh yeah this is kyc i don't want to do it yeah and um that that's understandable that's understandable um because we're all super sensitive about our data and we we don't want to strip down naked in front of everyone especially if you have such sensible data as sometimes passport data um, but we also try to um, kind of make projects aware that they, there's a lot of other use cases that you can use us for um, which go more into the direction of democratization fair voting mechanisms maybe autographing a, an nft to have some proof of authenticity if you are a creator say um or having something like one person one vote that is actually civil resistant and not just assuming that it's civil resistant and he, that these are kind of use cases where um you you wouldn't have to hand necessarily hand in any kind of id docs you could just go through a proof of human uniqueness um and then essentially that helps you to Distribute uh, airdrops fairly, or throw bots out of a project, or create unique gaming uh, accounts, or facilitate civil-resistant quadratic voting. And uh, I, w- I would even say that, um, probably adoption-wise, these are the use cases which we think will be of even more importance than the KYC compliance-driven use cases, um, which are always related to some sort of investment uh, mechanism or transaction that's going
0: on oh and one thing i'm glad you kind of touched on was the democratization or moving into because i know one of the big things right now is DAOs. everyone's talking about we're going to have a DAO, we're going to do this and we i've had many whether it be twitter spaces conversations with people i believe we even had quite literally a cardano convo about the idea of governance and Mm -hmm. one of the problems is it's like okay the most the easiest form is, OK, the amount, let's say, of ADA you have, the more ADA you have, the more votes you have. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, but then the, what if you wanted to, let's say, mimic the U.S. voting system where, for example, there's two branches of the Congress. One is, as you said, like the first version, which is having more voting power. And the other one is doesn't matter how much ADA you have in this case, one person, one vote. So it allows for the whales can't control everything because they would have to not only have the whales on board, but have a majority of people, for example, or 60 in the case, I believe, of Congress, like 60 or 66 percent on board as well. And the only option is, okay, you have to do KYC like that's one of the options, which, of course, as we just said, is kind of the kryptonite of crypto people. They don't want to typically do that. Or if you can have something that creates, as we've talked about, a decentralized ID that could be attached to a wallet, for example, you can remove the bots. You can remove the game theory behind, oh, I'm a whale, oh, it's her wallet that has 1,000 ADA, I've got a million ADA, so I get 1,000 votes this other way. So it's just more of a pain, but I get my votes no matter what. And being able to go, no, no, one person, one vote, that's an amazing use case that I can't wait to see because, as you said, whether it be, I mean, it's just like the governance version of a CAPTCHA, really.
1: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I, I think that's where um, just the ways how we economically coordinate is being redefined by DAOs. And as we get more aware of, say, botting issues or fairness issues in the community, and, and once the pain is high enough um, for, for projects to realize, ah, this is actually pretty shitty. If I spend more time throwing people out of my community that I don't want to have in there. Uh, because they're just annoying everyone, uh, then uh, maybe it makes sense to introduce some sort of uh, either reputation based entry requirement or some sort of one person, one vote civil resistance enforcement mechanism like our uniqueness gating. And uh, that's where, and, and now I'm coming back to what I, what I said earlier. Um, one of the that's out there, for instance, are social graphs. So you can use social graphs um, like Bright ID or other solutions to basically say, "Hey, um, I know this person is the, is the person who's claiming it to be, so I can attestate that I know this person and it's a real gonna be." Um, the problem with that only is that it's also not for let's say um, voting mechanisms on a country or na- nation basis or community basis. Uh, you would only have to find the group of People with bad intentions in order to attestate to each other. So it's, it's not really restricting you from creating duplicate accounts. And one of the disadvantages, uh, usually in these systems, you have some sort of mechanism where if, if someone finds out that there's a, a fraudulent activity or, or, or fake account or whatever, then um, you can downrate that account and essentially everyone who's connected or close to that account from the attestation also gets a downgraded into and that, that gets sketchy in terms of something towards a social credit system where
0: it sounded very yeah. black mirror esque which is <laughs> yeah exactly
1: i, I don't know I, I wouldn't want to live in a world where um you, you're kind of for the bad behavior of others where you just did a mistake because you thought you know somebody you get kind of drawn down that's i don't know
0: or being even just associated, that gets very much to forms of governance that we've seen throughout history and we want to typically avoid. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's a a big part of problem in the identity space is also not just how you enable, say, civil resistance for one person, one vote, but also how you enable that without um, making potential discrimination possible. So uh, whenever we work with user data, for instance, we would never want to put any personal data on chain. We would also never want to associate a wallet address with, say, a nationality, because that would make a smart contract able to just go through all nations until you know from which country a certain wallet address is from. And then who knows for what use case, but then they would start discriminating based on country um, information. And that's, that's kind of the challenge that you have in the identity space. You want to enable solutions that solve the problem at hand, say, throwing bots out or solving a compliance use case. But you've got to make sure that uh, the user data is still safe and, and secured and um, cannot be exploited by anyone with bad intentions.
0: So you want to make a cure that's not worse than the illness itself?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it's it's just the, the, the level of thought you have to put into this in order to um, like balance practical needs, sometimes vis-a-vis um, like like just standards, how we want to put this and, and create digital identities. And this is just an evolutionary um, path. And, and that's also the reason why we're not yet at the stage of say, self-sovereign identities, where only users are in control of their data, simply because there are certain practical reasons, mainly from the compliance-driven use cases, where um, in edge case scenarios, someone needs to have access to data, that's why you can't fully delete it um, for compliance use cases yet. Um, Would we be feasible or able to do this on a technological level? Absolutely. Uh, But the issue is more, can you um, convince your regulator That it's okay to delete all data after you did that without having any possibility of retrieval later on in case something bad happens and that's that that's the tricky thing Uh, why the compliance use case at least in my opinion not necessarily will end up as something like a self-sovereign identity use case um but let's see let's see it maybe maybe there's going to be a good twist and we're going to find a way around it um for all use cases that are not compliance driven though it's definitely moving towards self-sovereignty, uh, no question about it. And, and that's where we, we also want to proactively incentivize this and uh, work towards this. So uh, that's, it's kind of it's been amazing to be part of this journey already. And so many things have changed over even a year now that have been fractal. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure we're going to be way further down the decentralization and self-sovereignty uh, around in say, six or twelve months from now.
0: Oh no doubt about it. And so on the topic of future, um, where do you see fractal and decentralized identities going in the future? Let's say next five or ten years.
1: I, I think that um, there's really two kinds of um, use cases or, or things that will change. Um, the first one is there. I assume um, that there's going to be a way bigger awareness to building fair communities and DAOs and 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 the way how you um, essentially build an actually engaging community that's going to be way different from where we are right now. Um, currently community management, growing your uh, user base is heavily exploitable to bots. Um, we not, not even Twitter actually knows probably how many bots they have as users, but in Web3 we also sometimes don't fully know that. And that's going to have to change, especially in the gaming industry, um, where you just if the game mechanics essentially enable it, that those who come in first get the biggest rewards, you wanna make sure that these are actual people who contributed to the project and are real human beings and not any kind of bots. So um, I think from a fundamental um, perspective, it's gonna change from who has the quickest uh, growing user base to who has the most valuable, the most engaging user base with real human beings. Um, so that's probably one change I expect, and the second one is um, we're going to see um, a big change in DeFi and, and crypto and Web3 in general on the regulatory side of things, and, and you're seeing this already now actually in yeah. the States um, with the SEC um, and, and major updates um, essentially moving towards more regulatory clarity uh, in Europe where we are based uh, out of Germany. It's kind of uh, this markets in crypto assets uh, regulation and the transfer of funds regulation uh, package so is gonna kick in from 2024 onwards and some aspects of it even earlier, um, that's heavily going to redefine how um, obligations uh, in terms of identification, due diligence, and sometimes compliance, um, is gonna be just a requirement for everyone. And um, when, when that kicks in, um I I think and it's I mean I'm I'm having twisted feelings about this. I'm not fully happy with it, but I also think it's partly necessary because we're currently in a Wild West uh, kind of phase.
0: Yeah. Um
1: but yeah, it's it's gonna mean that DeFi and Web3 is going to be much more gated, or you're gonna be able to do fewer things if you don't have a digital identity. Let's let's put it that way. Um and for some Aspects of it, I'm actually going going to be positive about that because, say, if we had a standard that team verifications would just be common sense, then maybe we would have less exploits. That's it's it's as easy as that. If if you as a founder are not willing to sacrifice your privacy uh, wishes in front of a trusted entity for the um, say benefit of your community, that they have one more additional prove that you are legitimate, then maybe the community is actually not as important to you. If your anonymity means more to you, and anonymity, and let me be clear, um, it, it doesn't always have to mean that you have to expose your identity to everyone, but maybe it surfaces. If you do that to a trusted entity like fractal or Jumio or whoever you're going to use for that. And um, then at least there's some sort of proof record that you prove that you are the person and you're, you're legit. You, you don't have a bad record, let's put it that way. Uh, and everyone who's not willing to do that, um, it, it's just gonna be considered a way higher risk of a potential scam. And um, there I'm actually, I'm, I'm happy to see the space adopting more security mechanisms, uh, developing more robust smart contract security features, or adding a certain level of, um, yeah, let's say pre- prevention mechanisms to, help uh, the community to be more chilled when they go to sleep and invest into some some DeFi um, yeah, vehicles that they they find.
0: I could definitely see, as you said, moving a little less away from the Wild Wild-esque ecosystem. Whilst I do enjoy that to a certain extent, I agree <laughs> there have been more rug pulls than need be. And whilst it, again, not having the bureaucracy per se or the regulations that hinder you, which seems to be any innovative space, is you don't have that. And then people go, okay, we've built quite a bit. We want people to want to join in because while you've got, for example, that whole curve of like the first portion of innovators, if you want mainstream adoption, you're going to have to go, it's safe here. There are certain like stop gaps. We've got guardrails so that you feel comfortable being here so you don't run off a cliff in essence. And to jump to the other point you talked about, I do see it moving towards quality over quantity because as you said, like you, everybody's at least probably played some MMORPG that's been heavily botted or you've been in a discord where you're like, is there a real person in here? Cause yeah, it's yeah. not, it's like you can tell when it's AI based, like interaction, you're like, okay, this feels weird and it's not as comfortable. Whereas you've been in ecosystems or discords where you're like, these are all real people. They're all like yeah. having normal conversations or you've been in a game where you're like, okay, I'm not being beat by a bot farm. This is awesome. So I could very yeah, much see non,
1: Non-meaningful conversations. Everyone just posting the same kind of free words, four words. And then they're like, right, what is this comment all about? Oh, yeah. That totally-
0: oh, no one likes that. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. And so I could see, again, moving towards that quality. And even you could argue that's kind of what you're talking about with the ecosystem. It's going to move towards more quality because it's going to require... As you were talking about, and there's a few other projects working towards like trying to deal with this, like the rug pulls, dealing with all these issues. That if we're able to say, okay, as you said, you don't have to like dox yourself to everybody, but you have to like one entity that's like, we're our entity, our brand is trust. So if we say we've got the information on this person, then for example, we can say, okay, if you're partnered with this person, we can verify, yes, you're you're a real person. You're exactly this person. But we have a contract, for example, that if you decide to out the contract and just decide not to carry through, that we can give the information over. And like some stopgap to where it's like, no, you're we're not giving information to everybody. But if you're entering in some either business agreement, entering into X, Y, or Z, and at some point they need this information because of X, Y, or Z, then... I could see that gives you more control over your ID without having to go like, hey, like you and I are on media right now going, hey, I'm so-and-so. Like you can focus on building your project and only who needs it gets
1: it. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And um, I mean, it's it's interesting how, and I I think that's also going to evolve uh, or come up at some point. I think that reputation topics and identity topics are going to merge so another use case for instance that could could become interesting maybe for DAOs in terms of like federated uh, voting if you vote a council or something like that maybe you want to make sure that this council is, has a certain reputation of, or skill level or whatever um, but but more importantly if you think of the lending space um, we still have managed to enable under collateralized lending for retail so uh, there, there is um uh, non-collateral lending um, for institutional investors. But there any any forms of even over-collateralized lending to retail is really difficult to do. Just because you don't really have the mechanisms in case somebody is uh defaulting on its loan, um, to, to kind of track back and, and 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 see if um you you could issue uh, a loan to them without additional risk. And and if we manage to converge reputation and identity topics somehow in a trustless way, without enabling discrimination, but still um, helping projects to define a a better credit score or a better um, risk reward calculation, then maybe that's a use case that is going to evolve. And and that's going to be massive um, because then we not only have the biggest a democratization story of investment opportunities worldwide, which is already evolving right in front of us as we speak. But then we would also have um, a democratization of credit markets that is truly um, going down to the grassroots. Um, so, so, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of problems that are yet to be solved. Um, another one, by the way, um, which we're also talking with a few other major partners with is Um, how could you decentralize and get rid of a centralized KRC provider? And um, there the baseline is, okay, there like the W3C is actually recommending DIDs as a standard since July of this year. Um, But that doesn't mean that we have yet as an industry managed to find ways how we say, hey, let's all attestate to the same on-chain registry or off-chain registry So that essentially it's not just one entity doing its own um, like aggregation of um, wallet addresses, but maybe a a bunch of industry, a bunch of players, maybe even DAOs and individual uh, contributors wanting to perform some sort of identity verification and then attestating to a joint registry. Um, So so these are other problems that we are, Hoping to solve going forward, and that super exciting, super interesting. Um, sometimes with some technical twists um, around the civil resistance part of it, but uh, I, I think that's where we are hopefully going to, um, and and all of that is going to enable that for a user. It's going to be way less painful to essentially onboard to new services, and I think when when that becomes the new state of um, how this process or identity is being managed then people are also not as annoyed or opposed to it as they used to be uh, because the, the annoying part is that you have to do it over and over again and it doesn't work on the first try in many instances. Um, I've actually onboarded with a like German broker for some stock trade that I do outside of my DeFi stuff. And it was just the most painful thing to do because they it actually asked me to submit documents from the Portuguese authorities here in German. And I was like, Guys, come on! <laughs> like, yeah, how, how should I do this? And uh, and that's the that's the mess that we are in right now, where users get frustrated, um, and then they send a picture of their house when you ask them for a proof of address. And uh, that's then then the question is, who's taking up this additional hustle to proactively and nicely guide them through this process so that you actually get them to use the service that they want to onboard to. Uh, because only that way we're gonna have mass adoption, and I'm I think and that's maybe the second component. When you have institutional investors um, w- wanting to pull in a lot, pull in a lot of money, um, they're just gonna ask for additional security and and due diligence requirements that other people don't do, and uh, so so the space is going to benefit hugely um, if we had certain levels of identity, as long as it's user-friendly. That's kind of also one hypothesis
0: that I have. It's, as you said, if we can make it smoother, we can make it safer, we can make it more efficient. I don't see why people wouldn't jump in. I imagine that's going to be three descriptors that are going to be very well-versed or very well describe the future there, whether it's crypto or decentralized identity is you can make it quicker, you can make it easier, and you can make it smoother for like to do. I think people are gonna be significantly more inclined to jump onto that because I know it's it's hard for some people to go, okay, let's switch to A, and it's like, well, or switch to B. Well, A is currently working. It's like, yes, not well, though. Like you have to, we have to provide a reason why people are gonna to wanna to move over. In the same way, we can't force everybody onto cars, but we can show why cars are much better than horse and buggy. And- yeah yeah <laughs> but it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Sam, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto to the show and tell us a bit about fractal. But before we awesome. go, how can viewers and listeners best support you and your team?
1: So the easiest way uh how you could support us is essentially you could just go to our website, which is web.fractal.id and create your own digital identity with us and join our more than 1 million users and more than 150 dApps where you can use this digital identity already. Um, As we speak, it's for free. And uh, we also have a little incentivization campaign going on at the moment. So um, feel free to join our socials our Discord or Twitter there um, to keep up to date. But essentially what you just need to do is um, you go to the website, you create your ID for a basic level and then you're going to get notified automatically um, for the incentivization campaign where you will receive some fcl if you then later on upgrade your identity to a plus level account by adding your proof of address so um, in, in case uh, some of the listeners here want to get some free carrots uh, that's you know also one way how to do it. and how we want to get back for everyone who's trying to join us on this journey towards more self-sovereignty and uh, more anonymity which is not opposed um, to digital buy identity in our opinion
0: oh, of course and i will have all the links down in the description below links to their discord to their twitter to all those medias that we've been talking about again thank you so much sam for jumping on it's been an absolute pleasure having you
1: likewise Collins. thanks a lot man.
0: thank you for joining us for this episode of the cardano convo podcast if you want an easy way to help us out then make sure to share this podcast that way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys Also, leave us a 5-star review, and if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo, send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com, or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure to check out our new podcast website on crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and are looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That's Loops, L-O-O-P-S. And lastly, I want to let our community know about an NFT game slash project that we are working on. The game is called Flooftopia, and more details can be found at flooftopia.org or down in the description below. We have a Discord server and other socials, so make sure to check out our website to learn more. Again, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.